Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight on Sweet Liberty. I was... Ellen had mentioned last night when we didn't have an intro to the broadcast because I was filling in for Darren that we really do because it's grandfather chiming. <laughs> and, uh, and I suppose when the weather turns warmer, I'll be back in the studio and we won't have the interruptions. You, you will, I trust, bear with us through this. It's just too cold to sit in there for an hour, uh, at the broadcasting, uh, equipment there and, uh, and do this broadcast. So, I'm here in the family room, and that's right where Grandfather is. Um, today is Wednesday. It is the 5th of April in the year 2006. And I'm glad you've joined us tonight. Our spiritual message is from the Course in Miracles here, from the text, page 76. I place the peace of God in your heart and in your hands to hold and share. The heart is pure to hold. The heart is pure to hold it, and the hands are strong to give it. We cannot lose. Let me do that again. I place the peace of God in your heart and in your hands to hold and to share. The heart is pure to hold it, and the hands are strong to give it. We cannot lose. And Alan Watt, thank you for being here with us again this evening. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah. I guess I should just say it's Jackie and Alan. <laughs> That's it, yeah. You know, when I was reading this, I was thinking about Alan, uh, that state of being, I guess, that we call peace. Yeah. Uh, it is difficult um, to remember and to... Uh, knowing what we know that's going on today in the and the heartache that's in this world and the wars and the killing and the dying and it's difficult to have that place in your mind or in your heart that's at peace I think that's the reason for it I don't think there's a generation been allowed to live in any kind of peace or tranquility since the beginning of this whole system because uh the control of government depends on, on war uh, or having threats of war from others and, and that's really the primary uh, reason for being for a government that was its first reason supposedly and uh, all the sense in the world Alan going, you, know. But the, you know when you said that because you've said it before yeah. it, it takes a while for that to really register yeah uh, even as, uh, like you said, the borders. Yeah. Uh, they created national borders. That's right. And the only reason that we have borders is that we'll have something to fight to quote defend and protect. That's right. And then, and then the, the biggest scam is, is, especially when you look at Europe, they have the same families in charge of every country, um, having wars with each other. The families never get killed off in the wars. Of course they don't. And uh, and yet uh, that's the prime reason for pretending that they're the rightful rulers of those countries that were here to defend you. And so war has been essential for maintaining control over the public up until now. And when they have substitutes for war, there's, there's many substitutes too. There's economic depressions and uh, plagues uh, and all the usual stuff they can conjure up. Uh, to keep us off balance.
challenged and subservient and fearful so that we can, we'll always obey and do what we're told. So fear is essential, again, for, for government to yes. keep, uh, maintain control. And in fact, government is force, like Washington said. Government is force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we always tend to forget that. You see, most law <coughs> is uh, uh, accepted by the public when it's relatively peaceful, or at least if they can survive with an extra tax or a fee or whatever it's called, they can they'll dish out the, the extra fee or or license or, or whatever, um, and accept that. Uh, rather than rebel against it uh, because the threat of force is always there so they, 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 most people will acquiesce and go along with it but they all know that force is there to back it up if they don't uh, go along you know. Uh, you know I'm going to use an example that came to my mind uh, in, in Pennsylvania state law and I think uh, what got me looking into it was a friend in Missouri who told me what the law was there. It's the same law in Pennsylvania, and maybe it's the same law in every state, that commercial drivers have to have licenses. Mm-hmm. And it says it very explicitly. And so if a person is stopped and they don't have a driver's license, and they say, well, I don't have to have one because, you know, even if you quote the law and show them the law, and here it is, I am not a commercial driver. They take you to jail if you resist taking a ticket. Um, it happens over and over and over to people. And, and so it, it just, even the stupid laws they have, it, it, it just doesn't matter, Alan. I, I know. It doesn't matter. They say, no, you have to have a license to drive. And, and what they do, that most things are, are done, first of all, vol- with a, uh, it's voluntary. Uh, that's how they brought driving licensing in in most countries initially. And then even even road insurance initially was voluntary as well. And then once enough people have got it, then, then they bring in the, the democracy part. Well, it's a democratic system. The majority have accepted that what's wrong with you. Yep. That's how they use democracy. <laughs> Remember reading about when the income tax was brought in mm-hmm. and I think was in it after the Second World War and, and they were asking people to uh, give a certain percentage of their income to help cover the cost of the war yeah. and it was totally voluntarily, voluntary yeah. and then uh, they didn't stop it they kept raising the taxes uh-huh. pretty soon uh, income tax <laughs> It's tradition. It becomes tradition. Yeah. 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 And, 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 of course, people have gone to jail uh-huh. that have tried to go into the courts mm-hmm. and say, well, but this is a voluntary system. Mm-hmm. And I'm not volunteering. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, no. Once, once they've got it on their books, they don't let it go. It's a tremendous income for them. And uh, even though the reason for not taxing income prior to that was that a tax on income is therefore a form of slavery. That was in the law books. But they conveniently forgot that once they accepted it uh, on the books. And uh, Britain was the same. It was was called the temporary war tax. Uh, That's how it was introduced. Temporary war tax. Yeah. 
and people gave. And you know what? Uh-huh. I read about, oh, what the heck was the, it was some act, the Douglas Act or something. They passed a, an, a, the Congress here, and I think they allocated, I forget how many millions of dollars it was, to help rebuild Europe. Mm-hmm. And after Europe was all rebuilt, mm-hmm. the money just kept pouring over there, Alan. Yeah. Out of the, quote, taxes that they were collecting from the people in the U.S. of A. Yeah. Yeah, it's a giant scam. I mean, it, uh, finance has always been international. We must never forget that. And uh, war is essential for the ongoing of their, their financing, and their interest is essential for the kind of continuation of their system. Uh, if the interest was paid up, the banks would lose all power. So they must have ongoing interest all the time, debt is essential for their system and war again is partly a, a, a demolition job and a re- reconstruction job uh, for their plans for the future yeah. actually what it's all about you know and you, you see that in the second world war where uh, they had plans I mean Hopkins that was working with uh, Roosevelt uh, had plans drawn up for the reconstruction of Europe uh, they even had uh, yeah okay okay yeah. That's what I was talking about. Go ahead. Uh-huh. And they had uh, huge uh, plans for even city centers and what kind of stores would be in there, knowing the big chain stores would get in, first of all. And they had Japan uh, all set up to be the, the producer for electronics for the future, which it did become. And they set up the Japanese banking system where the government really is, uh, acts on behalf of as the banker and gives out the loans to the businesses and decides who will get business and who will not. So that was all set and planned, uh, at least during World War II and probably prior to it, I'd imagine. I don't think Hopkins did it all himself. Uh, so, yeah, they, they had the whole future of Europe uh, designed for United Europe. That was all part of the demolition job. Destroy the old and build up the new for a new era, you know. And I don't know if it was in... Uh Creatures of Jekyll Island, or where, uh, because, you know, after you read so much and hear so much, but I recall uh, that when they decided they were going to have a war, and they, well, that was uh, Norman Dodd, of course, mm-hmm. um, who testified, you know, to that uh, legislative committee in Illinois back in, I think it was 78, yeah, they got into the Carnegie records. Mm-hmm. And uh, wasn't it Carnegie, Alan? Yeah, it was the Reese Commission, I think. Yeah, it was uh, B. Carroll Reese, yes, Congressman Reese. Yeah. But, and, and Norman Dodd was, um, he, he had a position on the committee, but he said when he went to the Carnegie Foundation, they said, well, you know, to see their minutes and that, because the, the Reese Commission was to study the foundations to investigate the tax exempt <coughs> foundations. And he said they told him, well, uh, we'd like to help you, but um, our job was done after the UN, uh, you know, after the U.S. entered the UN, and they're all they're all in some hard, you know, warehouse someplace. But if you want to go looking, you can do it. And yeah. that's what he found, uh, that they were sitting there, it was, I think, 1906, decided yeah. that there was going to be a war, and they decided it would be in the Balkans. It would start in the Balkans someplace. Mm-hmm. And then, when they decided to do it, 
they said in 1914, well, we'll wait and um, until the Federal Reserve Act is passed in the U.S., and then the American people can pay for the war. Mm-hmm. And so in 1916, the Federal Reserve Pass Act was passed, and in 1917, World War, uh, wasn't it? Or that's when they brought the U.S. into the war. When did it's World War One start? 1917, they brought the U.S. in. Yeah, it was in 17 that they brought yeah, the U.S. in. But what they did, in. too, they brought over from Germany uh, one of the Warburg brothers to be the head of the Federal Reserve in the U.S. Yep. And his brother was the Federal Reserve guy for the Germans. <laughs> oh, boy, Alan. And then at the Peter Versailles... Uh, the two guys that presided for both countries for the debt were the two brothers. What a joke, you know. Yeah. What a joke, yeah. When you were talking about Japan, uh-huh. <coughs> excuse me, being set up, you know, to be the electronics uh, producer, mm-hmm. uh, Sony. The Standard Oil of New York. Standard Oil of New York, thank you. I couldn't remember what the S was for. Standard Oil of New York mm-hmm. was the Japanese... Sony. Mm-hmm. God, Alan. Yeah. yeah everything is uh, planned way in advance in the real world, uh, not at level one reality that we're kept in here. Uh, in level one reality, we see the effects of things, and the media gives us the effects of things, but they never tell us of all the planning that went into it. It, w- it was the Council on Foreign Relations uh, that introduced the income tax bill in the United States for Americans. That's who you have to thank for that. And in Britain, it was the Royal Institute of International Affairs that introduced it at the same time in Britain. The same club. It's the same group. Yeah. And this is the same bunch who came out on television here last March, uh, a year ago, and announced the necessity, officially, their first time in an official capacity, speaking from the board of the Council on Foreign Relations, they appeared on our television not as individuals or advisors or whatever. Really? An actual panel saying we had to unite the Americas. And one week later, Mr. Bush and Paul Martin and Fox signed the agreement for the United Americas. So they're telling us that, that they were behind it. Yeah. And this unelected government, and they are, non, they are non, a non-governmental body. That's what they say in all their books. Yeah. They're a private organization. Well, you know what the United Nations is called. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It isn't, it's not a non-governmental organization. It's an intergovernmental organization. They're actually a non-governmental organization. They are, I know they are, but they call themselves... unelected. Yeah, they call them... a private organization that was started up by the Rothschilds and Cecil Rhodes and Lord Milner back in the 1800s. Yeah. And, and they've, they've just decided our policy from, from then to, till today. And they have their international meetings. Politicians can become members of it if asked to be. There's a private club. And they say that in all their books, they are non-political, non-governmental organizations. The UN says that? No, the, the actual Council on Foreign Relations. Oh, CFR. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was referring to the United Nations. Well, they are the same thing. I know it is. Uh, it's non-governmental. But they yeah, I mean, people, they all, the UN is always talking about uh, um, democracy and, and how every country must be democratic. And yet I don't know anyone 
who's had a vote in saying who gets into the UN. We don't get any votes on it. The public have no votes whatsoever. Oh, what yes, we do. Well... Alan, yes, we do. In what sense? Well, we're... <laughs> I'm being facetious. Yeah. The, yeah, vo the voice of the people <laughs> are the NGOs. Uh, well, yeah, but... Uh, but really, um, yeah, the public really have no say in it. Oh, no, I know they don't. But they and say yet, yeah. that is the parliament of the people. Yeah, supposedly. The parliament of the people because almost everybody, for example, Boy and Girl Scouts are oh, yeah. non-government, uh, uh, you know, NGOs. Mm -hmm. And they have, I mean, it's international. It isn't just in the U.S. of A. Yep. And they're part of it all. So every yeah. child that's in Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, anybody, any business that joins the, um, what the heck's it called? Oh, you know what it is. I was in it. Anyway. Oh, the Rotary Club. No, well, it's not Rotary. It's, uh, oh, damn. Businesses join it to be, you know, part of the club. I was part of it. <laughs> I'm just having a brain fade. They have, in every tiny little town and city, and then they have a state, then they have national, then they have international. And you get to looking at it, the, the hundreds of thousands of people who are members, I'm, ha I'm not, it's not coming up, Alan. But anyway, it will. But that is considered to them the voice of the people. And also the police chiefs associations across the world. Yep. Uh, they have their own organization uh, attached to the United Nations. And, uh, the, the building codes of America, Britain, everywhere come from the United Nations, from plumbing to electrical to building. They have international yeah. mayor's associations. Yep. And I was thinking about the chambers of commerce. Mm -hmm. That's the biggie. Yeah. And you know, you know what? For our listeners, in our section at Sweet Liberty on the United Nations, we have a thing there on NGOs. Alan, it just uh, it just makes you squirm when you read it. Yeah. Well, you see, that's the Soviet. What it is, it's the Soviet system. Uh, that's what Soviet means. A council. It's government by, by councils. And uh, in the Soviet system, it's, just, it's the same as this one. The heads of the NGOs are paid for by the big boys like Rockefeller and financed by them. To pretend that they speak on behalf of the people. Of course. And it's the same with the Soviet system. The Politburo picked the leaders and gave them the, the political correct format. And of course, they would demand on behalf of the public what the politicians wanted. <laughs> yes. So that's how, exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because the bankers set up the Soviet Union and financed them through their whole existence. Uh, the West financed it, uh, funded them. H.G. Uh, Wells and all the biggies and, uh, went over there. Um, uh, royalty went over to, to the Soviet Union and got grand tours of their system. Uh, and, of course, it was a big experiment on, on, on socialism, which is a form of elite control over the masses. That's what socialism really is. Uh, I've got a a thing here from the United Nations. It's one of their publications. Mm -hmm. And on the front cover of it, it says that the United Nations 
their whole goal is to become a true world parliament. Yep. And the three things they needed, they needed their own standing army. Mm-hmm. Well, they need the legislative. They they need, just like the parliaments or the governments have, mm-hmm. the legal, you know, the international <laughs> criminal court, mm-hmm. the international courts, but they need their own okay. standing army, mm-hmm. and they need their own taxation system, yep. and they have to have a parliament of the people. Yep. And that parliament of the people is what we're talking about, the That's NGOs. Right. Yeah, pop. Yeah. Yeah. Pop. <laughs> That's right. Big Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's related to Uncle Sam. <laughs> uh, very possibly, because if you read uh, Franklin's uh, writings, uh, Benjamin Franklin said, and so did Jefferson, about the, about the U.S., they said this is the beginning of a federation of states, which will eventually become a world federation of states. Oh wow! That was the function of the United States in the first place. Yes, and you said that many years ago, Alan. Mm-hmm. But they made it quite clear in their writings that was to be the beginning of a world federation. And Franklin said it'd be a world run by a council of twelve wise men. Do you know we've been doing radio together for eight years? Uh-huh. That's a long time, Alan. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a long... What I mean is, God, I, I just think it's so wonderful that we've had an opportunity to present this information to so many people, mm-hmm. and here we are still doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and, and until recently, we haven't had a single offer or, or, or made a guest appearance on any of the other shortwave broadcasts that were that were on the go. Well, you don't, you're not getting them on. Well, maybe you are on shortwave broadcasts, but you're getting them on mainstream. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's just that, that's the other thing. Is unfortunately, I, I always tell people we're under so much surveillance. And, and information is power, of course. Therefore, information has always been under lock and key. And why would the all-seeing all eye miss the shortwave radio that claims to be so patriotic? You know. Um, you know people what? Should be, people should be really cautious about about what they what they get from it. Really, you know, it doesn't mean that everyone on it is, is uh, deceiving them, but I'm sure many of them are as well, knowingly. I know. You know, early on, uh, I had been invited on different, you know, broadcasts to be a guest. Mm -hmm. It's been years since I have ever been invited to be a guest on any shortwave or alternative uh, radio. Mm -hmm. Literally, it has. And I can remember when they used to do those symposiums, those, those expos, you know, survival expos and stuff yeah. all over the country. And they were all there, except me. I've never been invited. One uh-huh. time I even asked, because they said they were going to set up a round table. This is yeah. John Statmiller and the gang, you know. Well, Clay Douglas and a lot of them, Jeff Bennett and a whole bunch of the broadcasters. And they were going to have a round table of, of the broadcasters and see if they couldn't come up with some type of a uh, grassroots plan. Yeah. I said, God, I would love to be part of that. I have some thoughts. I mean, we were grassroots 
and, and we did some work, Alan. Yeah. Truly did some work. Ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, right in their faces. And I said, Do you think I could be on that? I think I was talking to Jeff. He said, Well, I don't see why not. You know, I'll I'll get back with you. I never heard back from them. Uh-huh. They didn't want me. <laughs> yeah. I felt so outside. Uh-huh. I'm being facetious. Well, I am. The problem is too. Uh, I think shortwave. Uh, I mean, I know it's been printed here in some of the newspapers a few years ago that the Christian broadcasting was set up in the 1950s to combat communist propaganda, and they used Christian fronts to do it, and the CIA set them up, and I thought, well, the CIA's maybe never let them go, because I hear so much, uh, I mean, the patriot business is a business, it's a huge business, and it's all fear-based selling, uh-huh. stuff, stuff for every calamity under the sun, and even up, outside of the universe, even. <laughs> it wasn't, I, a few years ago, Yeah. Uh, it was before Chuck passed away, so it's been at least three and a half, four years, they were having an expo in Texas. Uh-huh. <coughs> Excuse me. And I uh, I started getting calls from listeners to John Statmiller's broadcast and said, John Statmiller says that you might be at the expo in Texas. I said, what? And sure enough, I mean, I heard from enough people that I realized that that's what he was saying. And, you know, what they were, our listeners were saying is, Jackie, they're using that to get people to come there, you know, people who want to meet you. So I called up on John's program one day, and he had Clay Douglas on. And Clay and he were talking about the expo and everything. And I called up, and I said, I understand, John, that you have told your listeners that I may be coming to the expo in Texas. He said, well, I didn't say you were. I just said you might be. I said, well, where in the world did you ever get that idea, John? I said, I've never been invited to one of the expos. And then John said to Clay, well, did you invite her, Clay? And Clay said, I I, I actually hadn't thought about inviting her. I said, well, I just want to make it real clear to your listeners, I'm not going to be in Texas to the expo. (laughs) So there's a few who just uh, are set apart, and I suppose we're set apart, Alan, because we don't pull punches. No, I mean, see, you can't get truth if if you shy away from certain holy areas, you might say. Uh, To get truth, you have to be willing to go across all uh, or through all barriers to, to seek it. And, of course, they know themselves that it's a business. It's a patriot business. Yeah. It's a huge market. Fear-based selling is huge. And yet it, they can only do it on fear-based shows where the sky is always falling every day, you know. And and that's the sad truth about um, people who manipulate reality uh, in order to profit by themselves by very large amounts, I might add, you know. Uh it's a sad, see, this is one of the conditions of humanity that has to be shown to the public. If this type of behavior doesn't change, nothing will change. The, the psychopathic drive within people to exploit others has to stop. 
because if we don't stop it at the bottom, then, then what right do we demand that the ones at the top stop their exploitation of, of us? Yeah. We have, we have nothing to stand on. And that's the basis of all of this. The psychopath in society, in this civilization, as they call it, their civilization, gets to the top because they have no conscience. Because they have no conscience. We're going to take a break here. Okay, we're back with Alan Watt. Uh, folks, I wanted to remind you that as you heard, uh, the broadcast is listener supported. And if you want to send um, sponsor donations, please send them directly to First Amendment Radio. Uh, we've, I told you this uh, a week or so ago that for, the, for our former shortwave listeners, our debt with WWCR is over. They were willing to make a settlement, accept what I had uh, at that point in time. And for those of you who do listen and do appreciate it, please know that it is listener-sponsored. Uh, Alan's website, I want to give that to you to make sure that in case you don't have it, it's there on the website at sweetliberty.org. Um, Alan, Darren said the other night, I don't know when it was, that I gave our website as sweetliberty.com. I guess oh. it's because yours is .com. Yeah. Alan's website is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's a video there, and uh, I know that you'll want to see it. There's a lot of information there. And the books, the three books that Alan has written, there are excerpts of the books. Cutting through the BS, the way it seems to me, that's not the name of them, but it's uh, Cutting Through 1, 2, and 3. And when you go to his website, you can uh, check out and literally read some of the excerpts from the books. And you, you definitely want to do that. And I want to remind you also that Alan is going to be a guest on George Nori. Uh, Alan, okay, today is Wednesday, uh -huh. the 5th, and you're going to be on the 10th. Yeah. Well, actually, in the morning of the 11th, but that would be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That would be Monday? Yeah. Okay, Monday, folks. And, I mean, this is this has got to be... Alan, this is about the most exciting information that I've heard in such a long time. George Nuri, of course, this is the uh, old Art Bell show, folks. Uh, they're, they're syndicated on about 400 or more broad, uh, radio stations. And Alan is going to be able to get out probably to millions of people. It's a wonderful opportunity. And it's, uh, it's, it's on Monday, the 10th, although by the time we're listening, Eastern Time, it's, uh, it's going to be 2 a.m. on the 11th. So whatever your time uh, zone is, in Pacific Time, it would be 11 o'clock. In Mountain, it would be 12. Central, it would be 1. Eastern, it's 2 a.m., uh, on the morning of Tuesday, I'm staying up. I'm not going to take a chance on missing it. 
Alan, are you kind of excited about this? Yeah, I was thinking about staying up with myself. So. <laughs> you mean you're not going to go to sleep and set an alarm clock? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. This just this is like a miracle to me. Yeah, it's uh, well, this is a long time of coming. You know, we just, we just plodded on, sort of year after year, uh, teaching individuals really, and uh, and now it's coming to a, a stage where maybe we can reach a lot more. Oh, I think yes. At a very critical time in our our history. <laughs> it is a yes, and you know this is. I am always saying, with God, Creator, all things are possible, and I do know that that is so. Nothing is impossible, and we, you and I have talked about this. You've said it yourself. They've never been successful. And fully, you know, completing their plan. If they yeah, were, they have built-in flaws uh, that they, they go with their personalities. Huh? They, they have built-in flaws that go with their personality type, and um, uh, you can only get so much satisfaction lording over other people, um, and then you have to start to get something—a better opponent, you might say. And as they get closer to their ambitions, uh, these people will have to start fighting each other. It's an Achilles heel. They can't stop themselves because they all seek uh, ultimate power. And uh, now they're seeing this world government come into view openly. They want to declare it openly to the public, but there's, a, there's only one throne at the top, you see. And these guys would love to have the name chiseled in stone for eternity. They're always making statues of themselves. And uh, that's when the struggles will begin. Uh, and you but, said you think they're already beginning. Oh, I'm sure of it, actually. That's why I always say that, that human beings cannot handle godhood. That's cannot handle what? The godhood. Oh, godhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, human beings can't handle it. They're too petty. Yeah. And it's never changed from the days... Oh, well, now it depends. If we're talking Jehovah? Oh, all of them, you know. I mean, look at the, the Greek mythologies where the gods are always bickering and they're jealous and they're... Yes. And, and they play games behind each other's backs and stuff. And uh, That's human nature, you see. And look at all the stuff Jehovah did to prove that he was God Almighty. Oh, yeah. And only a tyrant really uses force to prove the point um, that's a very human thing it's not a godly thing and uh, and people who want to be gods and these guys at the top truly believe they are you know they're raised to believe that way aren't they Alan they're raised and they also have an inner religion we see it going all the way back to the ancient Rome that's why Washington has a monument there that's, that's apotheosis high freemasonry where you're raised into the status of a god What's apotheosis? That's raising to godhood. Oh, okay. And and you see the same things with the the the, um, the tyrants of Rome. Uh, they had their own ones chiseled and so on. And that's what apotheosis <coughs> means. And, and because Washington started the the kickoff for this final round of the new world order, the Novus Ordo Seclorum, um, he's given the honor of being raised to godhood. It was the first openly uh, Freemasonic 
uh, national creation. We're we're looking. We're talking about the Washington Monument. Yeah, and the, and the creation of the U.S. Yeah. Uh huh. That was its function. Well, you know, I don't know if this is true, but I had uh, read that when they were trying to get the uh, Constitutional Convention together, mm-hmm. <laughs> there weren't states just weren't coming into it. And George Washington, you know, had retired, and and then when they started um, proclaiming that George Washington was going to be there, that's when the the states at that time uh, got their delegates together to go to the Constitutional Convention, mm-hmm. and so that certainly would make you know give him give them a reason to raise him to godhood, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it was an open, well, I say open, it was a closed-door meeting when they, when they uh, draft, supposedly, they didn't draft it up in that hall. No, they didn't. Because, I mean, um, we know that Franklin, during the Revolution, was the ambassador to France, and he was showing copies all over France uh, long before that. So it was already pre-drafted, and they just had the little Masonic meeting. Yep in that hall and closed the doors and, and guarded them from the public. And nailed the windows shut. Well, the temple with closed, with, with closed <coughs> windows, that's the, yeah. the darkened windows, that's the Masonic uh, temple. Say again? That's the temple with no windows. They have to always uh, cover the windows in, in a lodge meeting. That's a Masonic lodge meeting. Okay. And that's why you had 55 of them in there, and only 33 had to sign it for the 33 degrees. Oh, my, I didn't know that, Alan. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, was, it was an open Masonic. And George Washington signed the uh, charter for the First Bank. Yeah. Gave him a 20-year charter. Mm-hmm. That's right. So certainly, he he deserved mm-hmm. Be raised to godhood, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he certainly played his part well. And he profited well because he, he gathered so much land during the revolution that he yes. did, I think, uh, ten times more afterwards. You know. So his accountants were very busy. <coughs> yeah. But that's the reality of the world we live in. It's, it's run by very high secret societies in collusion with very rich men in the, in the world. And they plan the future. They always plan a future which they will always be in charge of. Um, as I say, Frank, uh, Franklin wrote in his own memoirs that nobody reads anymore, and so did Jefferson. That they, that was the beginning of a, a federation of the world. You know, and they eventually have a, a world council run by twelve wise men. That's in their own documentation. And who leads the charge for the... Who brought out the League of Nations? It was How could somebody them. read something like that when they don't even know it exists, Alan? Well... It's See, that's and, the point. Yeah. I, I, I'm putting myself back in the place where I was. Uh-huh. Uh, I believed, you know, as a little... As a child, when we ta- were taught in history, mm-hmm. that he cut down a cherry tree yeah. and told his father, Father, I cannot tell a lie. Uh-huh. I believed it, Alan. Yeah. And I believed he was a wonderful, our first president. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was my hero when I was in the fourth grade mm-hmm. because he stopped slavery. 
And I, 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 I memorized the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. Not because, like, it was a required thing, mm -hmm. but it meant that much to me. Yeah. So it isn't that people won't read that stuff. It does, They don't even know it exists. Well, Hollywood has taken over the teaching of uh, dramatic revised history, and and of course the visual with with the emotion in it and so on is far has far more of an impact than reading a book by the actual uh, author himself. You know, uh, a Franklin or or a, um, an Adams or or any of them. I know, but something something has to uh, be a catalyst. Mm -hmm. A seed has to be planted. Yeah. Alan, for anybody, even a child, to say, wait a minute, that isn't true. Mm -hmm. Because when, I mean, you've known this stuff evidently, you know, since you were born. Mm -hmm. So I can relate to what it was like to uh, be truly caught in that system. Uh -huh. I mean, I believed that. December 25th was the birthday of Jesus. Uh -huh. It was the most precious time of the whole year for me, every year, ever. And it wasn't just gift-giving. You see what I'm saying, Alan? Yeah. So we lived in those lives, and until somebody says something to you... I, Alan, you blew us out of the... You blew us away, so far away... Well, you know, you and I talked on the telephone. Mm -hmm. You and I talked on the telephone for six months yeah. before I invited you to come on. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first day you called me, yeah. and it was in 68. It was the summer of 68. Mm -hmm. And I answered the phone. It was after I got off the air. It was, you know, after 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. And you said hello, and you started talking. Mm -hmm. And I found myself listening to you. I had the phone pressed up against my head and it was like I was listening to you with every cell of my body and you know when I said well wait a minute you know why are we having this conversation why did you call me and then after you know we kept talking you kept calling we kept talking and I I, I, I was like well who is this guy I, I you knew so much that it was unreal to me. And finally, it was in December of 1998. And I don't know what the heck we were talking about, but I thought, oh, my God, my listeners have got to hear him. And you came on. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as you remember, they kept saying, keep bring him back, bring him back, bring him back. But Alan... Yeah. You have to keep remembering in your mind that those of us who are caught in that, it isn't because we don't care. It is because we don't know. Yeah. The ones, and then when, 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 when you say something to somebody, like a, a friend that was visiting, when I started talking about, you know, the hurricanes and weather control, and he said, oh, no, uh-uh, 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 that's too big, that can't happen, da-da-da-da-da, uh, and I tried to explain, and he said, you're not going to convince me. I said, I don't want to convince you, but I would like to give you some information and hope that 
what you see will want you to look at it further and yeah. then you will make up you know your own mind but he didn't he, he wasn't even interested in seeing it Alan I know so those are the ones we say okay goodbye yeah you know but but it's planting seeds and you know that's what you've been doing so beautifully for all these eight years to Sweet Liberty listeners and and uh, people that call you and and uh, but it's so far out of your realm of because you've you've always been quote conscious that it's hard for you to relate to those of us who have been caught into it and it's a tough damn pill to swallow Alan it's tough I mean uh, but I see I know too that um, I mean grow, growing up in Britain for instance I kept wondering why they put on these silly <coughs> dramatizations of upper cr uh, crust families in the 18th or 17th centuries of what? it was always the upper crust families you know Oh yeah, and, and and I thought you know they're they're, they're they're painting this as a paradise of the past. The ones with the maids and butlers and yeah, and, and the spotless clothes and, and and carriages and horses. And yet any library would tell you that that was for a very small, tiny few. Yes, it was. Uh, and the rest of them lived in awful misery during the industrial era, where you were, you were lucky to hit thirty years of age. Very lucky, actually, if you hit that, 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 and you'd be crippled by the time you, you did reach that age. And that's not an exaggeration. No, no. Even Franklin mentions it in his own memoirs. He says he saw the agri the the the, um, the 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 factories in England when he was over in England, and he saw the factory workers coming out with no shoes, and and they come from a shoe factory. They couldn't afford to buy the shoes they made. Yes. And that was standard. He said America could only uh, uh, keep independence on an individual basis as long as it remained on an agricultural level. Yes, and they did away with that, didn't they? That's right. So they all knew that. Jefferson knew it, too. Yeah. He said the same thing. And at the same time as they knew that, guys like Jefferson were already investing in armament companies abroad on an, an industrial basis. In fact, uh, Jefferson helped to design uh, the first, uh, they call it stamp plate parts for the flintlock, whereas before they were all handmade and filed to fit. The what? Uh, it, was, it was actually machine parts he was uh, uh, designing for uh, factories in Europe to make uh, muskets. Oh, okay. Whereas before each, each musket was handmade, every part. They were, was, they were making the dye for them. Yeah, he was making the uh, sort of uh, conveyor type system uh -huh. to industrialize it. So they're all they were all involved in foreign investments. They were in, in industry. Yeah. Yes, they were. And you're telling their own people at home, you you can remain free as long as you remain on an agricultural <coughs> level. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah. You remember those first five weeks you were on? Mm-hmm. I promised John from Australia. I wanted, you know, to buy the tapes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just... Uh, there's so many people that should hear them because we did 20 hours together, Alan. Yeah. Well, I've just put up 12 of them on CD just today. 12 of what? Of those tapes. Well, how did you do that? They're burned on, on MP3 CD. I'm talking the first 20 that we did. 
Well, this is the first of the twelve of the series. Yeah. You have the dates? Yeah, it's been transferred to CD. Well, I've got uh, all of the tapes, uh-huh. and I was going to send them over to Darren. Uh-huh. I-, I promised John that I would do it from Australia, uh-huh. uh, so that Darren could put them up at SweetLiberty.org for people to go in there. And if you've got them, are you? I'm not uh, because I got to get. I'm not selling the books. Hardly anything's moving. You what? I'm saying I'm not selling the books because hardly anything's moving. So, pe- so I'll put this one up for sale. You see. Oh, you're putting it up for sale. Yeah, it's up for sale now. Oh, cool. The first 12 hours? first 12 on one CD, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, how did somebody... Followed with the next bunch. Well, okay, and do you have copies of all of them, Alan? Yeah, I should do, yeah. You mean you you taped every one of our broadcasts? Yeah. Well, then do it. Yeah, I'm doing it because uh, i got to get some cash to pay for the site and so on. So how do people get them? Uh, they can see it on the on the the, the website. Um, it's got the price there for the for twelve in, in the first set. Um, the format it comes in, which is MP3 CD, which plays on on pretty well all computers. Okay, good. Yeah, but Alan, will they play on somebody's C, uh, CD player? Uh, a lot of CD players will play it, and also your 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 DVD player for your television generally plays MP3 as well. The DVD? Yeah. Oh, God, you never told me this. Oh, it's a spontaneous thing. Because uh, I was talking with Jason, how can we pay for this and so on? And I thought, well, uh, why not sell the, the, these lectures? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those are our first 12 hours? That's the first 12, yeah. Do you, do you need it? I've got all the tapes if you need any more of them. Yeah, well, I, I might have to go through the box. Well, go through the box. I've got about three or four boxes. It would be wonderful because, you know, that was our first. And, you know, Mike Campbell called me. Oh. I was going to make a trip to uh, St. Louis. Yeah. And I, I guess it was a couple years at later or three or four or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said, have you ever listened back to those first five weeks? Uh-huh. I said, no. He said, well, you need to listen back again. Because now, when we know what we know, Uh you get so much more out of it. And so when I took my trip to St. Louis, I took all ten of those tapes, you know, two hours on each. And I listened to them all the way to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Alan, it was amazing. And I I should probably listen to them again. Mm -hmm. But you tell me... If you need any more of those tapes, and I'll send copies to you. Yeah, I'll have to go through the other box and, and count up the, the rest. All right. Uh, but, uh, well, that would be wonderful yeah. if that's a way that you can, uh, uh, you know, finance the website. Yeah, and it's also the cheapest way to buy them because, I mean, uh, even 12 one-hour cassettes, or well, it's actually one 20-minute cassettes, uh, cost a fair bit of money just for to buy them, you know. It does. Uh, so it's cheaper. Well, to that's buy the point. Yeah. You know, when we were selling the whole set, yeah, we were asking ninety dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking twenty hours of broadcasting. Yeah. That helped us mm-hmm. at, at a very uh, tight financial time. Uh-huh. But when people ask me to make those tapes, I'm like, geez, mm-hmm. I just don't have time to do this. 
it isn't that I couldn't use the extra money. Uh-huh. And so I was going to send them to Darren just to put up on the website. I'd much rather that you make them available on uh, on CDs, Alan. Yeah, well, I have to because, I mean, there's no income coming in. Yeah, right. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. Well, when did you do this? You know, how come you never... Oh, it, it's... Uh uh, but about a week it took basically, um, and it was just today it was it was ready to go. Well, cool. Just put it up on the site today. All right. Yeah. So, folks, go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and what are they going to look for, Alan? Uh, it's for the. It says it on it. It says the the the, the original first twelve hours um, of talks on. Uh, Sweet Liberty. Broadcasting, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can remember getting testy with you so many times. Yeah, <laughs> Especially well. when we were talking about the Constitution. Remember that? And gold and silver. <laughs> and gold and silver. Well, it's better than nothing, Alan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make you laugh when you listen to them? Have you listened to them? Uh, little bits of them. Little bits. Odd. I remember them well. Uh-huh. Because you ticked me off quite a bit sometimes. <laughs> it's a course in deprogramming. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's wonderful news. That's more wonderful news. Mm-hmm. So we're almost out of time. We've got probably about two more minutes. So what would you like to say before we end this evening and this week of broadcasting? Well, maybe in, in another couple of weeks I'll have all the rest done on CD. And uh, as I say, there's so many ways to play it from your computer to your DVD player. Um, and other people too can buy it because the 12 is only going to cost you $35. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a long time to transpose each one, one hour for each time. Maybe two the whole hour is changing. Yeah. And then change from two to MP3 to get all on one bit. So that's a whole bunch of transitions. Yeah. But it's just done, the first set's done.